Welcome to the Digital Dreamer of the Good Arm Podcast. I'm your host, Asfa Lee. I'm joined today by today's guest, Jordan Barton. Jordan, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Awesome. How are you doing? Doing good, bro. Man, uh, the Lakers, man, we won yesterday, so you know I'm rocking the gear. You know, I mean, obviously, you got busties out just because, you know, I mean, it makes me feel like a winner, even though the Lakers are kind of sneaking up this year. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I know. I mean, uh, otherwise, yeah, you know, just um, – you know, I know we were supposed to do the interview a few days ago, but, you know, I just got kind of pulled into different things. You know, I had my own interview I had to kind of do, and I also had to, you know, kind of schedule some other guests. So, but now I we finally, finally made it happen. So, yeah, man. So talk to me about how you, how was New Year's and how's the, how's, how's the New Year been for you so far? Uh, New Year's has been good. You know, I'm uh, excited to get out to Wyoming and, you know, try and help uh, bring a championship to Gillette. Uh, excited to go meet my teammates. Uh you know, I just started getting into Web3 as well. So I'm dropping my own NFT collection here pretty soon on the Solana blockchain. Uh, so it's been a good year for me so far. I'll check it out. Investments. Cool, cool, cool. I love it. So yeah, we'll get into the kind of stuff you're doing off the gridiron. But now we're going to start off with the topic of this interview, which is your life on the gridiron. So let's start for the early years. Was football your first love or how did you get into football? Football was not my first love, actually. I was a uh, basketball player. Uh, well, actually scratch that. I would say sports in general was my love from age three and up. Uh, but basketball is what I naturally gravitated towards. So, uh, you know, I played AAU basketball uh, with my cousins and stuff and, uh, you know, always like to compete. And then I would say around ninth grade, uh, I gave up the basketball, picked up the football, and then it's kind of all been history from there. Pretty much, right? Cool. So ninth grade. So around so high school is pretty much when you started playing. So kind of what did those other sports kind of help get help? Again, what skills are translatable, transferable from the other sports you played from your youth all the way through kind of the ninth grade that, that, that were immediately transferable to football? Which Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I tell all the kids I train the same thing. I mean, whenever you're a young age, you want to play as many sports as possible because it definitely builds up. Uh, your foundation in terms of athleticism uh, really across all sports. So for football, for me, I feel like basketball uh, helps with my lateral quickness, my vertical, uh, my reaction, uh, you know, things of that nature. Uh, you know, baseball I played too, that helped with my eye-hand coordination. Uh, track helped me with my speed. So, you know, every sport uh, is viable and useful in its own regard, regardless of the sport that you end up pursuing uh as your you know stable sport absolutely okay so i think now that's a perfect time to segue so let's start off with the high school career what was your immediately what was your immediate position that 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 you started out and kind of how did you progress or evolve from freshman to senior year yeah so uh i started off in clear lake high school in houston uh started off playing db uh you know i, I like the position uh, but even from a young age, when I was introduced to football, it was always catching the ball and running routes and that thing. So receiver was all my, always my love. Uh, ended up playing freshman year, uh, DB on the freshman team. Uh, I was going to go to varsity my sophomore year, but Coach A. Duddle uh, had ended up going to another school, uh, Baytown Sterling. Uh, so that same year I ended up going to a, a private school, Lutheran South Academy, and, you know, it was really rough over there to start off. They, you know, hadn't had a winning season in quite a while, hadn't made it to playoffs in like 20 years, ran a triple option offense, which is, you know, not, uh, conducive to what I was trying to do as a receiver. So, uh, really didn't pop off until my junior year 
Uh, they switched the offense. And then senior year, I, I really just, you know, excelled. They gave me the opportunity to kind of be the go-to guy, uh, which is what I always wanted. And I ran with it. Uh, my senior year, I was uh, going into it. I was a uh, touchdown club at Houston uh, preseason team. Uh, after the year, I was first team all state, first team all district, uh, NUC All-American. Uh, it's the same All-American game as Johnny Menzel played in, Marcus Mariota. Um, ended up, you know, playing with some good talent up there. Uh, one of which was Chris Frey. Uh, he went on to Michigan State, uh, played in the CFL for a bit. But I remember, uh, you know, saucing him up a little bit on a bubble route in the game. So I always, uh, always remember that. But uh, yeah, so that's kind of the story of my high school. Uh, you know, again, like I tell all my clients that I train, uh, make sure everything is right off the field because you don't want that to hinder what you can do on the field. As a high school student. Uh, it wasn't that I wasn't capable. It wasn't that I wasn't smart. I just wasn't, you know, invested in what I was learning. It was like, you know, all the stuff, calculus and all this stuff. And it's just like, for me, uh, I always knew I wanted to play football. I wasn't exactly too sure what I wanted to do after that, but I knew it didn't involve a lot of the stuff that I was being taught for eight hours a day in school. So uh, I had a couple of D1 schools come to look at me, Liberty University, uh, Southeast Louisiana, but I wasn't a D1 qualifier. My you know, GPA was like two, three at the time and my ACT wasn't to match. So uh, ended up signing to AM Kingsville out of high school, uh, was there. I don't know if you've ever been to South Texas. There ain't you know, much out there. It's pretty dry. It's kind of like a desert. So yeah. uh, uh, you know, Coach Callaway wanted me and one other uh, player to uh, play uh, as, as freshmen. But you know, I, I said, this isn't really gonna be my, you know, home for college so uh, I went ahead and requested my uh, red shirt got my release at the end of semester uh, went on a couple of recruiting trips to some California JUCOs and uh, ended up getting reached out by coach Oz uh, who was just with the University of Tennessee but he was the head coach at Nassau Community College uh, went out there and I mean I, I knew nothing about New York football and, you know, Nassau Community College, proud to represent, uh, you know, they have a historical tradition. Uh, the class of 2015, my first year there, uh, of 22 starters, I think about 13 of them went D1, not including the uh, other handful that went D2. So probably the best team I ever played on, learned a lot of things. Uh, and from, from there, I played there one more year, went to Western Colorado, uh, played there for two years. And now I'm on this, you know, professional indoor journey. From your, from your college career, it sounds like there were a lot of kind of uh, turns that you, you had to take. Actually, let me actually, actually, let me, let me take a step back and talk about what you just mentioned about your high school career, because I think that's crucial. For me, too, I didn't, my, my high school career, like my first couple of years, my GPA, like I think I had a 0.5 my freshman year and a 1.0 my sophomore year. <laughs> so, I mean, by the time, and I, and I, so that's why, I, I mean, I was, I was academically eligible to play football, you know, into high school. So that, it was what it was, right? So I basically, my, co my coach told me, my best shots go to JUCO, and that's what I did. I went to JUCO, took my, and then, and then for you know, by by the grace of God, it basically ended up to for, to come materialize into the indoor football career, which you're also on now, right? Yeah. So kind of to your to that point, obviously, like you said, it's not about it's not about intelligence. It's not about like you said, it's just it's just you know what are you investing in? And you know you kind of talked about what you're investing right now, right? But I mean, ultimately, it's just like as athletes, anyone listening to this, you know, you really have to take that time and think about it. Like when you think about the D1 qualifiers, right? There's so much talent 
I can, and I'm sure you and you're uh, you're obviously you know a prime example that that, that I played with that you uh, were obviously at one point that could have straight gone to D1, but because of the grades and because of the lack of investment, it's just like man, like you know, it's like it, it sucks. It really does, you know. But I mean, obviously, I mean, like, it, but it's it's a learning lesson. It's a life experience, and it's something that you can build on. You know, so. Yeah. And, and what's crazy now is I'm hearing that a lot of these kids, you know, don't have to take the ACT anymore and stuff like that. <laughs> and, you know, they got the transfer portal. So and they're living the life these days, really. <laughs> yeah, it's easier now, man. I mean, and it's like, you know, and like, and like, and like, and like, and like I'm not trying to sound like an old head or anything like that. But it's just like, I wish that, you know, that the SAT and the ACT and the GPA requirement, and the transfer, like, I wish all that shit was like there you know like 10 years 10 plus years ago but anyways il and all that it would have been fantastic would have been great but obviously with your college career it sounds like you 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 took a lot of turns right there are a lot of twists and turns first talk to me about your first couple years kind of what was that experience like obviously like you know i mean did you have any memorable moments for that from that from that first university and then when you transferred kind of what was that experience like right because i mean there must have been reasons for you know your your reasons your motivation to transfer kind of you know so talk to me a little bit more about that yeah, so uh, as far as Kingsville goes, uh, one memorable moment I did have was uh, before they kind of took away the two-a-days in NCAA, this was kind of like the last year they had them, uh, DeAndre, um, uh, receiver homie, you know, we're freshmen, it's about 105 degrees, maybe 115 on the turf, uh, it's our second practice, and DeAndre is just hurling, like, nonstop. And I'm looking at him and I'm just like, you know, bro, you, <laughs> you got to get with it, bro. This is college football. It ain't high school. Like you got to come in shape and all that. So uh, that really kind of put me on a path to know what to expect and always come into camp ready. Uh, as far as, you know, the reasons for me leaving Kingsville, whenever I was getting recruited, I was getting recruited by uh, Coach Griff. He is now the running backs coach out at UTSA. Uh, with shout out to them. They had a fantastic season this year. Uh, but, uh, he was going to be my receivers coach and they ended up, you know, switching them to a different side of the ball. I didn't really have any relation with them. They brought in another guy who, you know, I'm not going to say we butted heads, but we didn't, you know, have that relationship that I had developed with coach Griff on our recruiting trips. Uh, and then again, just the quarterback play there at the time wasn't, wasn't that great. So I didn't feel like it was going to be my future home. Uh, I wanted to explore some other options. So again, like I said, I went out, uh, did some recruiting visits to some Cali Juco's, American River, Santa Barbara, which has a beautiful stadium, by the way. Uh, you know, and then while I was out there, Coach Oz from Nassau had reached out to me and uh, told me before I make any decisions to come out there and, you know, take a trip. And, you know, I show up there with my mom and we go to the coach's office and they got, you know, four big time college football coaches in there. I think it was like University of Tennessee, Wisconsin, uh, like a Pac-10 school and then like a one double A school. And, uh, you know, he sat down and, you know, basically said he ain't about no BS. He's trying to win games and I'm trying to win games. So, uh, you know, it was a no brainer for me. I, I committed there immediately. Uh, you know, we were a top five program there at the time. Uh, good memory from there was, uh, we drove 27 hours on a bus to go play Trinity Valley Community College uh, for the Battle of the Valley or something. Uh, they were number two. We were number five. Ended up beating by like 17 points uh, that game. Come back in the fourth quarter. So, uh, you know, that's definitely a highlight of, of my career. Uh, and then I ended up going to, uh, you know, Western Colorado for two years. 
uh, after that. And, you know, again, great experience at Nassau, not so much of a great experience at Western. Uh, it just, the, the program that they had, I mean, I was around five different head coaches in five years. So, uh, you know, I kind of saw what worked. I kind of saw what didn't. I saw, you know, what coaches did to win, what coaches did to lose. Uh, and, you know, the head coach over at Western is a great guy, but, you know, he has uh, well below 500 uh, winning record in about 10 years or so. Uh, so I just wasn't, you know, I wasn't fully invested, I guess you could say. Uh, and, you know, that's partly my fault. Uh, but again, I'm the type of athlete, the type of player who I'm always trying to get to the next level, to the higher level. So with that being said, I want coaches who have been there and done that. Coach Oz, been there, done that. Uh, you know, Coach Baines, 82, uh, I mean, 42 and 82 as a record over, you know, 10 years isn't telling me that you've been there and done that. So, you know, that happened, uh, kind of got passed around in the depth chart a little bit uh, my junior year, uh, butted heads a little bit because, you know, again, they, they said I was the best receiver on the team, but I just wasn't like bought into their idea of the program. So they didn't put me in a position to excel. So, I got in here and there as a junior whenever, you know, there was nobody else they could put in and I did my thing. I, uh, you know, I think I played in like four games. I came out with like 300 yards and, you know, a couple catches. So fast forward senior year, kind of the same situation. Uh, I didn't end up starting to like the third game when someone got hurt uh, and I ended up being the leading receiver in terms of touchdowns, yards uh, and all that stuff. So uh, the thing at Western was, they were a run first offense. They maybe passed the ball, you know, eight times a game. And they wanted me to be a, you know, basically a extension of the O-line and just block every play, which as a receiver, I love blocking. I love imposing my will on the defense on the defensive back. But to that same notion, I do like to be rewarded for my hard work. And if I'm going to block for three quarters a game and get two balls a game, like you know, just, just show me a little bit more love. I'm, I'm getting open for you, coach. Like, let me, let me make a play for you. But uh, so yeah, that happened. And then I was, you know, a free agent for a little over six months waiting for my first professional opportunity. Uh, and then I ended up getting an opportunity in the CIF uh, with the West Texas Warbirds at the time. Uh, but as we all know, 2020 COVID season that shut down. Uh, and then I played for the San Antonio Valor, which, is a crazy story in itself. I don't know if you heard about what happened out there. Uh, and then I go on to play for Frisco, the Frisco Fighters in the IFL. Uh, I was with their team for about two weeks, ended up getting cut. And then now I'm signed to Wyoming and I'm heading out there in a few days. Now it takes us back again because now we have to rewind to how you got to the pro scene, right? So pretty yeah. much after your senior year of college, what did you have a pro day? Did you get invited to the combine? And how did you get in contact with West Texas Warbirds? So, again, uh, the relationship between me and the coaching staff over at Western uh, wasn't the greatest. Uh, me and a couple of other seniors, uh, some of which who were JUCO, they honestly at Western, they were pretty disrespectful towards JUCO players and players who they kind of deemed weren't their favorites. Uh, I'm not going to go into that, but uh, quite a few of us didn't get a, a pro day opportunity. So, I remember sitting, you know, in our house, me and, you know, my buddy Jacob Benegas, who played at New Mexico State, uh, played with me over at Western junior and senior year. 
you know, waiting and thinking like, what are we going to do next? Uh, and at the time we graduated in May, you know, so we were kind of late on the cusp, you know, the, the indoor season starts, you know, late February, early March. So, uh, you know, we missed the 2019 and, you know, we just kind of kept on grinding and, you know, staying ready. So we ain't got to get ready. End up getting a call from, uh, you know, Gabriel Martinez over at West Texas. Uh, he, you know, says he likes my film, uh, gives me the opportunity. So I go out there, uh, end up making the final roster. And then uh, Coach Coleman, who was a former Dallas Cowboys DB or head coach at the time, uh, you know, said basically, you know, you ain't got to get out of town, but you got to get the hell out of here. Like, we're not having a season right now. Like, you know, go do what you got to do. So uh, I actually stayed down there uh, for about a good two weeks after that announcement with Coach uh, Brandon Cisse, who just won a uh, National Arena League title with the Albany Empire. Uh, he was coaching for us at the time and about three or four other players just grinding two days, two day, two times a day, uh, five days a week. Uh, season never ended up happening, but come the next season, I re-signed to West Texas. Uh, there was some discrepancy, I guess, between Coach B and the uh, ownership there. Uh, something to do with, you know, he had brought a family member with him due to a situation and they weren't feeling it, so they let him go. So, you know, me and Coach B had a great relationship uh, over that summer. So I said, all right, you know, whatever, I'm following you. So uh, we go over to the Valor, uh, who, you know, I guess I can get into the story. I don't know if you're familiar with John Cardonis. No. Yeah, so uh, I guess he, you know, was a big-time scammer. He was running some, uh, like, high school camp scams and things like that. But uh, he was an Arena League player as well played for like the Corpus Christi Rage and things like that. Uh, he was the owner at the time. And, you know, we were playing for the Valor. And I think it was we were playing Amarillo, our second game. And it was, you know, rough after the game. We lost. And uh, Cardona said something that really hit me. And I was like, what? And he said, this has been the best day of my life, uh, you know, recent time. And I was like, we just lost by like 27 points. How has it been the best day of your life? So, you know, it didn't take too long for things to unfold. So within, you know, a week, we're supposed to go play the Idaho Horsemen, travel up there on a bus. Whole big situation. I won't get into it. But basically, John got charged uh, with, you know, uh, a felonious charge. Uh, it was theft of service greater than $30,000. So it's that charge plus like another eight. So he got charged for 10 years on the one charge plus another eight he's carrying. So He's in Bexar County Jail right now for a good portion of time. But before I go on to anything else, I mean, I'm sure you know as well, uh, that's one of the negatives about the indoor game. Uh, you know, it's it's teams are here for a couple years and then they fold. The ownership is always, you know, it's either a great organization or a, or a very shoddy organization. Uh, and I felt like, you know, I got that experience early on in my career. So, you know, now I go to the next team more so knowing what questions to ask and things like that. Uh, but yeah, that was definitely a wake up call to me. Uh, but anyways, I, you know, uh, ended up going out to Frisco for two weeks. Uh, you know, was, I was running scout team with uh, the last chance you uh, quarterback Malik Henry, uh, you know, great, great arm, very talented kid. Uh, you know, felt like I was doing well. Uh, Quincy Carter, uh, former Dallas Cowboys quarterback, he had actually got me that opportunity. 
uh, and the uh, receivers coach was, you know, singing my praises to him. So I was, I was expecting to get signed, but uh, a day before they said they were going to sign me, they ended up bringing two XFL guys in uh, ended up giving them the, the job instead. So, you know, I'm still grinding, doing my thing. Uh, I know the opportunity is going to come for me and what it is. Uh, I'm going to do what I've always done and be ready and, you know, seize it by the horns. So. That's, and that's all she wrote, <laughs> you know? Yeah, so, you know. Obviously, kind of with that, you know, I think um, one of the things that I took away from my playing career, and I mean, I did have a pretty long playing career, as you can tell. So, I mean, um, one of the things that, you know, like you said about the lack of organization, and the, and, the, and the fact that team's full and the fact like what you've gone through, your your story is, is similar to mine because I, I got cut twice before I finally got signed, you know? And obviously with that, you know, it was just, it helped me realize nothing is permanent. And that's what I said on my interview on, on the air podcast. Indoor football, like, you, and like we all know, I mean, things can come, things can go. You might be able to get a great opportunity to get, get moved up to NAL, what, what used to be the AFL, right? And then take that to get to CFL or XFL, right? And then CFL, whatever, or USFL. But essentially, you just have to understand that, you know, these things are very, it's really just kind of a snapshot in time. And you have to really take it like that. So what you what you talked about when we started about investments, that's so critical. I think it's so critical for everyone to understand that. You were mentioning the NFTs, you're mentioning the blockchain investments. Talk to me a little bit more about that, kind of what got you into investing and what made you decide on those specific investments? Yeah, so... Uh... You know, I got my bachelor's degree in political science and history. So uh, with that, I always say it was a blessing and a curse. Uh, I've become more informed, but with that information, I've also become uh, more weary of government. Uh, I'm apolitical. I don't align with the right or the left. I try and seek the truth in anything, no matter uh, how uncomfortable it may make me feel. Uh, and I feel like that is not the norm. So uh, with that being said, uh, I took a politics and the environment course uh, in my undergrad. My professor was speaking on the state of pollinators, uh, but specifically bees. And, you know, that just kind of resonated with me and always stayed there. Uh, as I was in Colorado, I went on, you know, numerous mountain hikes and always enjoying the flora and the fauna out there. Uh, so, you know, fast forward, I get my degree, uh, you know, 2020 or so when COVID hit, uh, I started getting into crypto. Uh, and then just this last September or so, I started getting into NFTs and I always had the bees in my mind. So I was like, how can I combine charitable works with, you know, the transparency of the blockchain uh, and, you know, some creative artwork and NFTs. And, you know, I reached out to, cause our team has developed or comprised of mostly former collegiate athletes. So I reached out to one of my old teammates. Uh, he had an 18 year old cousin who's an artist, you know, uh reached out to him saw if he wanted to explore his creative side while also you know trying to do some good for the world and he was all about it uh and we just kind of you know took it head off and been doing it ever since uh for me though the reason i chose crypto and nfts is the thing that i have realized is again once you graduate i mean you're you're really selling a portion of your time for a certain amount of money on what someone else dictates your worth. And again, me getting that political science degree, I'm a very autonomous person. I believe in, you know, getting it by my own means, no matter how hard, uh, I would just rather make myself more rich or broke than trying to do it for somebody else. So uh, with that being said, uh, we're dropping this NFT collection, it's 8,000 Bs. 
Uh, we believe in NFTs as a means to provide charitable contributions while also providing utility benefits to the holders. So we're allocating 20% of all proceeds from Mint secondary merchandise uh, to a community wallet for Bee Sanctuary, Bee Education, and other Bee-based charities. Uh, and then we have some pretty cool utilities for our whitelisters. We have high sponsoring, so we're going to periodically ship out raw, natural, organic honey to our whitelisters. Uh, since, you know, right now in the market, it's a lot of fake and impure honey being sold as real. Uh, exclusive merchandise. We have a play to earn blockchain game coming out. Uh, we're hosting a bee sanctuary trip for one holder and their family as a means for rest and relaxation, but also bee education. Uh, we have some good giveaways on our website uh, on a roadmap, www.needsbees.io. So anybody who's interested in it, uh, give it a look. We're on the Solana blockchain. It's a carbon neutral blockchain. It doesn't, you know, harm the environment like Bitcoin or Ethereum. Uh, one transaction on the blockchain is less than two uh, Google uh, searches. So uh, low entry point. It, it's all good things. So, you know, I'd love for anybody who's interested to tap in. 100%. Deedsbees.io. And where, where else can anyone get in contact with you if they were interested about learning more about kind of, you know, both, I mean, both, you know, the the, the, the crypto as well as kind of anything else you're involved with? Uh, yeah, so they can follow me on Instagram. Uh, I do believe it's Mr. JB underscore 13 uh, as well. You know, I'm on Facebook. Uh, I also have a training company, Revolutionary Athletes Affecting Change, uh, RA Squared C. So y'all can find me on there. Always posting workouts with my clients and stuff. Uh, so I'm, yeah, I'm easily reachable. Also uh, on Twitter, you can find me at King Honeycomb. Uh, that's my NFT name. Uh, you know, anybody who reaches out, I'll always talk and connect with them. So. In closing, what are your goals for 2022, both playing and non-playing? Um, and anything else you want to kind of close out this interview with? Uh, so I would say my goals for 2022, um, you know, while I have been in the CIF, I have not played in the CIF due to COVID. So, uh, you know, I'm really looking to do to my best of my abilities what I can to help bring a championship, like I said, to Gillette. Uh, I'm also, you know, trying to do what I can to go and get that offensive rookie of the year uh, nominee. So uh, as far as on the gridiron, that's what I'm trying to do off the gridiron. Again, you know, I'm trying to, you know, inspire people. I'm trying to be a community organizer. Uh, you know, that's why I came up with needs bees. Uh, I feel like people can definitely get more involved in the community uh, while getting some good, cool benefits from it. Uh, after the season, I also want to go ahead and try and get my private pilot's license. I want to get a, I want to be a commercial pilot at some point after my career. So, you know, big things on the horizon, but right now I'm purely focused on Wyoming and, you know, doing what I can to bring this championship, get one of the yes. rings you got. Yes, sir. <laughs> you know, we're going to see some of these on Jordan's fingers next time he's back on the show. Right. Right. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Wyoming Mustangs, Jordan Barton, folks, JB, Mr. JB underscore 13, needsbees.io, uh, at Honey, what was the Twitter? I forgot the Twitter, I'm sorry. Uh, it was King Honeycomb 1. King Honey, okay, King Honeycomb 1. And, uh, you know, hey, I know it was great having you on, great learning about your journey, similar to kind of my journey, great hearing about everything you're doing on and off the gridiron. Looking forward to a successful season in Wyoming, looking forward to seeing you, you know, ball out and Hopefully we'll have you back on, you know, with a few more of these and, you know, Hey, you know, maybe you'll be the next billionaire. I don't know. Shit. Sound like it. <laughs> For sure. I, I love it. I love it. I mean, I'll make sure to tap in with you after the season and give you any updates. hundred percent. Hi, Jordan. Thanks for your time, brother. Take care. Yeah, appreciate you, bro. Have a good day. I got you.